Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Justin Box. Awesome. Let's welcome Justin as he comes up to share. Thanks. Morning. Hello. So good. I had a just a really cool moment with Belly yesterday. We were um, starting the landscaping at our new place and there was a dead possum um, down the bottom and it was small. It wasn't a baby but it wasn't an adult. It was probably a baby. Um, and she wanted to pat it and I mentioned that it wasn't alive. And we're, we're, we're moving from just sleeping into we'll never come awake again that sort of transition into communicating about death and stuff. So really light on at this stage. Um, and she, she just said something that you'll laugh, but it's so powerful and amazing. But she said, can we pray for it? And I'm like, yeah, okay, this is, this is landing. This whole culture of the kingdom and believing that anything is possible at any time. Um, and it's, it's what we live and breathe, like thinking that way first. Um, and, and she just, and then I said, yeah, we can pray. And she go, because she wanted to pat it. And I said, she couldn't pat it. And then I explained why she couldn't pat it, because it was dirty. And then she said, well, okay, well, if I can't pat it because of the death, then let's pray so it can live. And then it went to another level of, and then I said, let's pray. Okay, cool. And she goes, well, I need to put my hand on it. And she wasn't doing it so she could pat it, I'm sure. Because <laughs> it was so cute and fluffy, but so dirty. Um, but there's a couple of different things. And the, 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 the praying and believing, but then the, the laying on of hands, which is just, it's not just a, oh, it doesn't matter if you don't lay hands. Yeah, God can move if you don't lay hands, but there's something significant about laying hands just throughout all Jewish customs and traditions and Jesus brought it in and he said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I just, I just really love that um, and I just want to encourage you that those raising kids, it's, um, you're doing an amazing job and things are landing and things are sinking in and um, it's the same deal with new believers embracing different things that are really hard. So I just want to encourage you that that's faithful with little, Yeah. Because we are called to raise the dead. There's no question about it. And we can, yeah, Jesus didn't mix his words. And it's still, that's challenging for me to embrace that I'm actually called to do that. It's really challenging. Because I can get my head around the, the, the feed the poor and the pray for the sick. But he also included raise the dead in that. And it's really challenging. Can we just call a spade a spade? It's, it's full on. But um. Yeah, I really believe there is going to be moments where we're going to be confronted with Ainsley shared a little bit about it. Like just that, the, 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 the victory is starting to think that way. We celebrate the actually starting to notice, starting to be aware, starting to, to just think about what is possible because our perspective's now changed. Is that okay? Amen. So Jesus, we thank you for, for your words. We thank you that... Your words are spirit and their life. John 6, 63, that your words are spirit and their life. And because of that, when Jesus asked everyone, are you going to leave me too? Peter said, no, we can't because your words are spirit and their life. You have the words of eternal life. So this morning, would you cut through 
and open the eyes of our heart this morning so that the spirit of truth could, could reveal truth to us today because we want to continually grow and mature and become healthy and full of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you are here last week, I'm not going to recap. We spoke about, we started to speak about honour. I did a recap of our last two months about health and how it's a really big deal and how Jesus wanted to set his church up to be healthy and whole and complete and lacking nothing. So he set up the fivefold ministry. And I spoke about the key to embracing the fivefold ministry was honour. And we're going to put up a quote now that's going to launch us into talking about how honour plays out amongst us as the people in the church, not just towards the fivefold ministry. So let's put this quote up. This is a quote. I've tweaked it a little bit. Um, Honour is seeing the gold in a person and treating them according to that, according to the gold. Instead of stumbling over what they are not. So we have a big list of what we're not, but we've also got a really big list of the gold that's in us. And just like gold mining, it's got to be searched after. It's got to be sought after. Gold mining, the, 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 the process of gold mining, anyone just been to Sovereign Hill for that little fun educational experience when you were young, or whether it's a, a full-on business of mining for gold, we would all be aware that the gold is hidden. It's in a mountain, it's in clay, it's in rock, it's covered. So it it requires a process, it requires purpose, it requires intentionality to seek after what is known is in there but cannot be seen. It's a process, it's a plan. The, The companies that mine for gold actually have a business model and a process and a system with all the machinery, with all the logistics, with all the geographical information they have, with safety and locations of where possibly gold could be, it's all included in in their vision for finding gold. And I just think of that and then I think about Jesus and and what he talks about and his life and his message and the full gospel. And then we, we break it down into watching his life with people that seemingly didn't deserve honour, but he treated them according to the gold and not stumbling over what they weren't. Honour is seeing the gold in a person and treating them according to that instead of stumbling over what they're not. Let's uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 17. And these will be our foundational texts for this morning that we're going to launch on and talk about a few different angles to honour and some practical ways it can play out with all of us because we're doing life together because God brought us together. So good. Hey, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 to 17, and this first translation is going to be in the New American Standard Bible. We happy? We're happy. Great. Thanks, Jen. Bold statement. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. For the love of Christ controls us. Strong language. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Jesus died. We were co-crucified with him. 
Verse 15, And He died for all so that they who might live no longer, who live, might live no longer, live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. So good. Verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we recognise no one according to the flesh. The word flesh there is soul, doesn't mean evil. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Verse 17, we know this scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. I'd love to read that verse 16 again, if we can, please. Therefore, from now on, we recognise no one according to the flesh, according to our soul, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know Him this way no longer. Verse 17, Therefore, if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Let's look at that, those three verses in the Passion Translation now. So good. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that He has given His life for all of us. This means all died with Him. Verse 15, So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for Him, the One who died for us and now lives again. Verse 16, So then from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by the outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one. Let's flash back to our life. We once didn't see him in this immaterial, supernatural God of the universe, son of God, transformer, creator. We just saw him as a person, a historical figure perhaps. So it went from seeing Jesus in the flesh before Christ to then actually have an encounter where our perspective changed. Verse 17. Oh, let's, let's, for that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Verse 17. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become she has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Can we cheer Jesus for that? So good. Really good. So we're just going to look at, we're going to highlight verse 16 today. Let's look at it in the New American um, Standard. Just the verse on its own. Therefore, Paul said, but why is it therefore? Because we've understood that the one who died, died for all. And we've been, we've been enfolded into him. The Bible says multiple times that we're hidden in Christ. That it's no longer us that live. We've been co-crucified, co-buried and co-resurrected. So because of that, we no longer see people according to the flesh. Why? Because our perspective has now changed. Verse 16, therefore we, we no longer, from, therefore from now on we recognise no one according to the flesh. Verse 16 in the Passion Translation. So then, 
from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by the outward appearance. So good. We no longer see people according to our soul. We've spoken a lot about our soul, how our spirit's perfect and lacking nothing, always, never, never, never damaged or wounded, always perfect. Our spirit is always perfect. It's always possible to be connected to God, always, always, always. Separation is never, never an option. Our spirit is one with him. But, the, but we're learning about how our soul fits into this whole deal. It's a really big deal. So it's easy because we are body, soul, and spirit. We can see people according to the soul. It's actually quite normal for our first impression of people to be, I can sum up a person in five seconds. That's normal. I can just tell. As soon as I meet a person, I can just sum them up in 10 seconds. I know everything about them. How many people say that? A lot of people. And I understand you can get a good gauge of a person, but that can't be your forever gauge because they might have just lost their brother that morning and your gauge of them wasn't them at their best. Because them at their best is the gold in them, not what they present in a hurt state. So we're learning that our spirit is perfect and sees perfect because where is our spirit? It's seated in heavenly places. So the perspective of our spirit is higher than the perspective of our soul. So we, that's, why Jesus, that's why Jesus made this whole heaven to earth deal up. We didn't make it up at Echo Church. Jesus made it up. And it's because of this whole deal that we once saw Jesus according to the flesh, but now we've been taken up to a whole nother level. And now we can actually see from that perspective and declare it down. Declare it down in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So honour is not just for the fivefold ministry to embrace the grace they carry. So we're transformed and grow in the areas that they carry. It's not just for that. It starts there in the church. Absolutely. But then what's meant to happen is we start learning how to honour the fivefold and grow in what they carry because we might not see that way. And then guess what? We don't stop there because we're all doing life together. So the honour starts there, starts with the Lord. And then in the structure of the church, it's with the fivefold ministry because Jesus made that up. But then it goes into people to people. Because at the end of Ephesians, 4.16, 4.16, it talks about, and then each member gets to bring who they are to the table and we can all start to mature and grow and become healthy in love and we do this all together. And honour is the critical key that gives us access to the gold in each other. Amen? So we no longer see people. It's a bold statement. Paul's not saying like, you might. He's like, because of the supernatural conversion and transformation that happened, that that the old nature in you is dead and you're now alive, you're a new person, never been created before. Because of all this, you no longer see people according to the flesh. So what's our whole process now? It's actually coming under and believing that truth and living it out. It's really challenging. Because we don't all present our best all the time. We're not all gold all the time on the outside, but we've all got gold on us on the inside and it needs us to put a hat on with a light and start mining. 
Is that okay? So honour doesn't stop at the fivefold. It doesn't start at the fivefold. It's a key to grow in honour, but it's got, to, it's got to trickle down into the life of the church. Where just because we might have been in the church for 20 years with someone, I go, I know all about them. I know all about them. But we actually, we put on honour, which sees the gold in that person. So many times I've had people come up to me with issues with people and I've said, can you write a prophetic word for them? And ask God how he sees them. And then guess what? You get to treat them according to that. We might talk about forgiveness and trust today because when we're hurt, sometimes trust is a really big deal and a big process. Forgiveness is always required because it gets you out of the prison. But trust is a whole other deal. You don't have to trust immediately because what's trust? Trust is consistent behaviour over a period of time. Trust is developed via consistent behaviour over a period of time. So when trust is broken, forgiveness 100% is required to free you. But then the process of trust can be a journey with someone helping you. Is that okay? So mining for gold, it's a big deal. Let's go down, Jen, to the... The verse 16 NLT translation. I love this translation of verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how, different, how differently we know him now. Man, that's good. This seems really dis- difficult. And we ask the question, how is this possible? It's challenging because people don't present the gold all the time. And we know that because we don't. How is this possible? I mean, someone acts like a jerk. We see it, we experience it, and we react accordingly. It's confronting. It happened. It's real. And most of the time, We see them like that and we treat them according to that which they present to us. But I'm not going to propose to you that that's a humanistic point of view now. That's not spirit-led living, that's soul-led living. That's coming under who we truly are and and acting according to our, our flesh, our soul. But Jesus is saying, hey, everything's changed now and I've given you grace to see them from a completely different level, the way you now see me. Amen? So how can we do this? Because Paul's presenting a whole new way of seeing. Key one, this is not really a point sermon, but if you want to write a point, you can have this as a point. 2 Corinthians uh, 2.14. Let's do that one. For Christ's, for it is Christ's love, 2 Corinthians 5.14 on its own, for it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that that He has given His life for all of us. The foundation for all of this, we have to start with this. I'm not going to speak long about it, but it's the love of Christ. I believe it's Romans 5, 5 that talks about that, and God has poured his love into our heart. 
This hope does not disappoint because he's poured his love into our heart. So this is the motivating factor. It's the fuel of our life. It's actually the the key to be able to start seeing people not according to the way that we think and the way that they present, but according to how he sees them and the goal that he put in them. And it's got to start. We can't jump ahead of this first goal, this first key, this first cog. Because it's the love of Christ that fuels everything. Paul made a bold statement. He said, it actually controls me now. When we talk about controlling, we think it is a negative. Like I'm being controlled and I've got no free will. But Paul doesn't use it like that. He actually, he uses that as the key factor in presenting the new way of thinking. So he goes, I want to say this, but they're not going to get it because we see people according to what they're not. So I've got to back up and give them a key before I present this massive life change that we're going to see people. So he backs up and he goes, the love of Christ fuels everything I do. The love of Christ motivates me. The love of Christ compels me, a lot of translations say. The love of Christ controls me. So now I can, Paul's saying, now I can, I've got that foundation in place. Now I can jump into this next level thinking that I know is really hard. Because if they get the motivating factor of love being the center of their life, guess what happens? That 1 John 4, 19. We love because God first loved us. So when we experience his love and we're perfected in love, guess what? It's tag, we're it. How can I not? I've been transformed by his love. Ephesians 3.19, I've experienced his love. So now I get to put that on display because I can't help it. It's controlling me. So what happens if we choose not to worship, we miss out on the key ingredient for him to transform you by his love and for you to experience his love. If we don't read the word, we're missing a key ingredient to grow in his love. If we don't pray, we're missing a key ingredient to be transformed by his love. And you wonder why you see everyone negatively. You wonder why you just, you're, you're fueled by bitterness and unforgiveness and you just see the, the, the junk in people first. Like the, the reason... You'll, you'll go negative first and the pessimism and cynicism and the critical stuff is so high, it's because we miss these foundational um, truths that never change. We don't grow up out of worship. We don't move on from prayer. Oh, we're just cool now. We just always abide. That's weird. <laughs> we're just one and I just abide. I'm like, That's weird. If I never talk to Lee and it's like, we're married because I got the signature. It's just weird. It's this fellowship. It's this talking. It's this allowing him because he's, he's got some stuff that we need. He's got some perspective that we need to love his kids. Is that okay? So Christ's love is the fuel. Then second is a major key, but it's hard to believe, is we're seated with him right now. And you could play that music. Like, I, I am with you on this. But if we don't start embracing it, we'll never embrace it. Pause. Does March 10th mean anything to anyone? Put your hand up if March 10th means anything to anyone. 
totally not embarrassed if no one puts their hand up. Oh, okay. What's March 10th? Oh, Jesus. So he is today, not being rude, but you don't come every week. Yeah, because of, of sickness, which is just no fun. So I'm going to get to you in a minute. So we just pray for Joan right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah, we thank you for the victory that has happened. We thank you for breakthrough. But we right now speak total healing in the name of Jesus. Yeah, top to bottom in Jesus' name, head to toe in Jesus' name. Yeah, we thank you right now that presence is being released. Presence is in her, but there's another dimension coming right now, and it's, it's carrying healing in Jesus' name. Yeah, head to toe today, never the same again in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you. Um, March 10th, I feel like Jesus is just celebrating the fact that he, before the foundation of the world, which is mind-blowing, had you in mind. Was, it's nice, isn't it? Like he was thinking about you before, he, before anything. When it was just Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father in glory forever past, he had you in mind. So that you could have been born in 1800. In Eng- well, I'm not just going to start guessing, but you could have born, been born in India in 1800. You could have been born anywhere, anytime in any family, but the purpose and the intentionality around creating you was so specific because he loves you so much. So I just want to encourage you. Yeah, you love him back. It's so good. Let's do that. So, is that good? Like seriously, I've got so much crap going on. I've got junk that you can see. So you can look at me last week and the sermon wasn't that good. Like it wasn't presented great. Yeah? There's flaws in my life all the time. But, and so do you. But what happens is when we, when we go, I've got to embrace this love deal because I, I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to get 10 years ahead and stay the same and nothing changes. I, I want to grow in this. If he's saying we can do greater works, then let's believe it and start with the tiny. Let's start with the possum. Like if we actually think we can cross police lines and raise people that we know aren't believers and pray, we've got to start with the possum. I mean, this stuff here is my dream. It's my dream to hear him and be confident to say it, but it's my dream to do it like boldly in front of people because often I can just be shy and cover myself in case I'm wrong. And then what happens to him today? Life change. So our perspective has changed. But if we don't believe it has, then we stay the same. And we've, we, we change Christianity into a humanistic philosophy where we're just trying not to sin, which is just shame and yuck because he already took it all. So my fear is that we're actually re-changing Christianity into a, something that we can understand. And then it becomes just another philosophy that can be adhered to 
but it's fueled by willpower and me just trying to do the right thing and I'm exhausted and actually believing that I'm hidden with him, that I'm seated with him, that he sees me perfect and holy and blameless. Like even if I sin, really great. Does that excuse it? Never. He hates things that get in the way of love. But we've got to understand that his capacity to love us and see us is not according to what we're not. Because Romans 5.5 said, Whilst we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. What does that mean? It means that he knew what he was getting himself into. He knew when he removed the whole world, the whole world, he knew what he was getting himself into when he removed the whole world's sin forever, forgave the whole world's sin forever, knowing that they would, a lot of people would still not activate that promise. Knowing that some would not confess him as Lord. Knowing that some would not believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. That's where the reckless love song comes from. It's just mind-blowing. But why did he do all of that? Because he doesn't treat us according to what we're not. He sees who we are. Let's go to John. We're going to look at Nathaniel. So seated, yeah? Seated in heavenly places. John. We're going to read a chunk from John in the Passion Translation. Our perspective has changed. Love is a key, key, key element to seeing people and then knowing that we're seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2.6, if you're taking notes. But let's look at John 143 to 50 in the Passion Translation. Are we good? The next, this is, this is, our, this is our meat and it's going to be so good. The next day, Jesus decided to go to the region of Galilee. There he found Philip and said to him, come and follow me. Now, Philip, Andrew and Peter were all from the same village of Bethsaida. Verse 45, then Philip went to look for his friend Nathanael and told him, we've found him. We've found the one we've been waiting for. It's Jesus Son of Joseph from Nazareth, the anointed one. He's the one that Moses and the prophets prophesied would come. Good on you, Philip. Now let's look at Nathaniel's response. Nathaniel sneered. Nazareth, what good thing could ever come from Nazareth? Probably a bit more spice on that. Sneered. He sneered. Let's read that again. Nathaniel sneered at the fact that their whole culture was looking for a Messiah. That's everything in their culture. And Philip's like, found him. I mean, massive tipping point in everything they're believing for. Found him. And... It's true that there would be a group of people in here that would, would gravitate to being optimistic. And there'd be people in this room that would gravitate to being pessimistic. So everyone that's going, nah, I won't do that. 
And there's gold in why you're like that. There's gold deep down motivating both of those core things of how you see the world. But we just go good, bad, don't we? But we just don't take the time to dig because there's something feeling that that's phenomenal and put in there by the Lord. Nathaniel sneered, Nazareth, what good thing could come from Nazareth? Philip answer, come, let's find out. Verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, so Nathanael, good on him for coming with Philip. So they must have had good connection. So he trusted Philip and Nathanael, maybe not holding hands, but they were, they were just coming together to see Jesus. So Philip, good on you, Je- Philip. He's an evangelist, if you knew that. So good on him for bringing Nathanael to Jesus. This is Jesus' response. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, this is at Nathanael. Now here comes a true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motive. Hang on. I would have said, you're not coming, Nathaniel, because you don't believe. So you can stay here under the fig tree and gnaw on figs. And we're going to hang out with the one we've been waiting for because you're just a rat, mate. You're sneering. You're having a crack at the one. But it didn't go down like that. And Philip loved Nathaniel and had history with Nathaniel. So he didn't flick him off. Philip saw the gold. That might have been a, a heightened bad moment for, for Nathaniel. And Philip saw all the other gold with their history together. So Philip's like, no, no, you've got to come because I love you too much for you to miss out on the one that we've been waiting for. So good. But then Jesus is like, oh yeah, I, I, I saw him. I saw the whole conversation by word knowledge, open vision, crazy amazingness that's possible for you all the time. And I just love this response. And then he goes down and he says, let's read that again. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said, now here comes a true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motive. So he's by, he saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. He saw the conversation. He saw the snarling remark and he did not treat him according to what he was not he saw him according to what he and the father and the holy spirit put in him before the foundation of the world and he saw it he said it and he called it up and he was modeling a lifestyle that he would then tag the the believers to say now you go Could we just dream for a minute that greater works could mean relationally as well? Because the world at the moment's in this relational turmoil with social media and conflict and tension and opinions and and pulling people down and and shutting them down and trolling and, and just negativity, which was meant to bring connection. But what if the greater works could include relationally, mentally, emotionally, not just the things that we go to like raising the dead or cancer being healed. 
What if the greater works could be that we start to see people healed and whole with connection and relationships and, and how to function together and how to manage our soul and respond well? Because Jesus came to demonstrate what heaven's like. He came to model what the Father was like. Verse 48, Nathanael was stunned. Stunned. And said, but, oh yes, but you've never met me. He said, you've never met me. How do you know anything about me? That's a key point. Have a conversation with someone. We'll get to that in a minute. Nathaniel's like, it's like, oh, I just like had a crack at you and you said I've got no hidden motive in my heart and said I'm an honest man. You've never, you've never met me. And Jesus said, Nathaniel, right before Philip came to you, I saw you. Like I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Nathaniel blurted out, teacher, <laughs> you truly are the son of God. It wasn't a cognitive thing. Oh, yes, I now believe. He was pierced to the heart. He was pierced to the heart because someone, someone who made him, <laughs> treated him according to how he was made and the gold that was buried in him, but perhaps no one called it out. Because we all, we all want to do the right thing. We all want to be great. We all want to be loving. We all want our eulogy to be just amazing. We all want that. But when we're stuck in the knot and we don't know how to get out of the knot, we need other people to go, this might be you at your worst. What I'm experiencing is not who you are. And we start to push it aside and may chat through it, or someone else might. Might not be your responsibility. But what is your responsibility is you treating them according to who they are, not letting that come back every time. There's no spring on that thing. We've got to get rid of that spring that wants to just keep coming back in front of them. When we push it aside and go, this is who they are. Man, they did this, they said this, it's the seventh time they've done this. I cannot believe it. We've chatted about this. It's like, oh, junk, junk, junk. No, no, this is who they are. Remind myself, this is who they are. This is what you say. If I've got to write it out, this is what the Lord says about you. Put worship on, pray. This is what, and write again. Write your 10th prophetic word about them. Get the promises that, that you think are for you and appropriate them for them. Read Psalm 139 about them, that he sees them. And we can start to shift this thing. Because where there's unity, God commands a blessing. People will, will see the love that we have for each other and they'll just worship Jesus. The Bible says it. They'll be gravitated. They'll praise him. But if we're disconnected and there's unforgiveness and bitterness in this place, in our foundation mode of building what we're about so that we can embrace what's to come and that is happening every day, Big deal. 48, Nathaniel was stunned, but you've never met me. How do, you, how do you know anything about me? It's just an amazing, complex question he made him. John 1 says that without Jesus, nothing was made. So he formed him and he's missing it. 
I saw you under the fig tree. You're the son of God. Verse 50, Jesus answered, do you simply believe I told, uh, do you simply, do you believe simply because I told you I saw you sitting under the fig tree? You'll experience even more impressive things than that. And then Jesus goes on, verse 51, I prophesy to you eternal life. From now on, you will see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into the sky with the messengers of God climbing up and down upon him, which is the heaven to earth picture from Genesis 28 and Matthew 10 and the baptism of Jesus, which I preached on about three months ago, called the gate of heaven. Amazing. You happy? So great. Christina, so thankful that you're with us. Can you jump up and play keys? Thanks. So good. We just see it over and over again. Jesus modelling that honour is seeing the gold in a person and treat him according to that and not stumbling over what they're not. We see it with Peter. Hey, Peter, everyone sees you as Simon. I see you as Peter. The names are significant. Everyone sees you as Simon, outward appearance, the mess, the fumbler, the, the bumbler, the, the mistake maker, but I see you as this. I see, you, I see the gold in you so much that you're going to be the one that initiates and welcomes in the new church. I see the gold in you so much, mate, I see the junk. I see it. I've rebuked you about it for the last three years, but I've continually called you up and treated you according to who you are. So much so that I changed your name. And we all know what names meant back in the day. So he gets to the point where he actually preaches the first sermon in the early church and explains that the power of God and everyone looking as though they're drunk because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. He got to explain that. He got to pastor that. And he got to announce it. Hey, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied, that he'll pour his spirit out in all flesh. What a privilege to stand up and say, men of Israel, we've got to repent. But he didn't say, you've got to repent. He said, guys, this is freaking you out. And I know it's going to freak you out. But we've got to change the way that we think. Because if we're going to embrace this whole Jesus deal and this new perspective deal, we've got to go on this journey of a renewed mind. He's using that word metanoia in there, repentance. And it wasn't harsh. It's never harsh because he's kind. It's always kind. When we see the word repent, it's not as you know it. It's kind and and it's an invitation to come close to him and recognise the gap of how he thinks and how we think and stepping in closer and worshipping and loving and connecting and then we start to think like him. Like he affects us and his love starts to compel us, to control us. And we start acting different. And that's, that's what repent means. Is there a bit in there that's like, ah, oh, I've missed it. Yeah, that's, that's in there in the Greek word, remorse. Is it shame? No, remorse is different to shame. Shame and condemnation kick you down, hold you down and say you're no good. Remorse and conviction is really good because it's acknowledging the gap. Because he's God and we're not but he's made us in his image and we think like him and act like him more than we realise. Jesus, the woman caught in the act, thrown down at his feet, naked, after just doing something that's not okay in that custom. And what did Jesus say? 
hey, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. Jesus said something that was just opposite to religion. I don't condemn you either. Now go and leave your life of sin. What about Paul? Killing Christians, just nonstop, psycho. The stoning of Stephen that said that the clothes were at his feet, approving the stoning of the first martyr in the early church. And what happened? God didn't treat him according to him killing hundreds and hundreds of Christians, which I think would be fair. (laughs) But he actually saw the gold in him and released a grace-filled encounter that changed Paul's life forever. And we know the history. He wrote 13 epistles with us. Wow. Wow. We know us at our worst, but yet, as we stand to our feet, we know us at our worst. But Paul says this amazing thing. He said, God has shown me unlimited patience. As we can hand out communion, that would be really good. I'm going to leave it there. Jesus. Yeah, so let's just allow, we'll probably have to have our eyes open, which is cool to receive the communion. So good. How does honour actually play out? It's having the foundation of love, it's, having the foundation of believing that we are actually seated with Christ right now in heavenly places, which actually allowed me to see March 10. But I didn't pray for March 10. It just came in my mind because it's just an underlying prayer of my life of just using my thoughts to have some thoughts and trusting that God's putting thoughts in my thoughts. And then the more I step out, the more I realise that he's doing it way more than I think. And has been since I was born. So knowing that we're seated and our perspective's changed. Thank you, Jesus. Our perspective has changed. Your perspective has changed. Take us up higher. Revelation, Jesus said to John, come up here so I can show you these things. When Lee and I travel, we love going to big cities. And one of the first things I do is is Google, is there a building I can get up the top of to see the view? We did it in Toronto, we've done it in Chicago, we've done it in New York, we did it in San Francisco, even though it wasn't that big. We've done it 10 times, Seattle, that one. We've done it in Melbourne 10 times with the guests we bring out, top of Eureka, because I love the view, I love the perspective. It's a different perspective. You're down at ground level, you just see what's in front of you. When you're up the top, you see everything. So Jesus, thank you, Jody. Let's, let's, um, let's just take a moment and we're just checking in with how, how I'm going with honour, how I'm going with treating people according to the gold, how am I going with, with holding them according to the junk, stumbling over the things that they're not. Some of the greatest wisdom that I saw, I think it was on Facebook, as we're just talking to him now, church. So when it comes to honour, there's a great little key. Believe the best or have a conversation. 
believe the best about a person or ask some questions.